good morning and what's up everybody welcome to the true gospel morning show for september 12th 2023 it's your boy eddie d right here on the mic and we're gonna be with you from 6 a.m to 8 a.m this morning hope you guys are having a fantastic tuesday morning so far and hope that you um, are getting the chance to spend a little bit of time with your boy right here as we dive into god's word and we inspire one another to uh just be great today to be great and to glorify God's name in everything that we say and in everything that we do, both in word and deed. Uh, we're going to start off with prayer and then <clears throat> got a jam-packed show for you today. We're going to jump into the word and, um, and dissect um, one of Jesus' parables. We're also going to be talking about Ruby Frank and the um, end of her uh, YouTube career um, and some of the things that have been going on in light of that and then we'll be taking questions from the audience and so uh, feel free to drop down in that comment box below with any questions or comments or concerns that you have and later on in the show we'll go diving into the comment section to um, answer some of the questions that you guys may have about spirituality faith religion the whole nine yards um, but we're going to start off with a word of prayer Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for gathering us here together to give your name praise, glory, and honor through this morning show. We're asking, Lord God, that you just decrease us all in flesh and increase us all in spirit. Lord God, that we may be able to discern what is that good uh, and right um, word that comes from you. Lord God, we're asking that you just continue to be a blessing upon us all in a mighty and powerful way. Continue to strengthen, continue to encourage, continue to motivate, Lord. Uh, continue to empower us to do your will um, and to delight in you. Uh, we ask, Lord God, that you just continue to be a blessing upon us all. Uh, could be, continue to, uh, to help those who are in need. Continue to strengthen those who are, um, who are weak and build those up who are torn down, Lord. We're asking that you just continue to uh, shine your light in the dark spaces that we may be able to see your glory and be able to see the path that you have laid before us to do your holy and righteous work. Lord God, we love you. We give your name all praise, glory, and honor. And we thank Jesus Christ who paved the way for us by living the perfect life we couldn't live, dying the death that we deserved, rising again from the dead, and crediting his righteousness toward us that while we were yet sinners, he died that we might live. And so we thank him for doing all that he has done to pave the way to peace with you. And we're just so grateful and give your name again, all praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So let's jump into the word today. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 18. Uh, we're going to start at verse 15 and go all the way down to verse 35 uh, in talking about forgiveness on today. Um, and so we're going to start with verse 15. It says, if your brother sins against you, go to him and tell his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, if two, if two, of, you, if, if two of you agree on earth about anything and ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. But where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. 
Then Peter came up to and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold to his to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found that he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw that what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant! I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. A lot of us have a difficult time with extending grace and forgiveness to those who have wronged us. Uh, we have a tendency to want to hold grudges and want to hold, um, yeah, want to hold grudges against the people that have wronged us. More so than in any other generation, we have a tendency to want to hold on to the hatred, hold on to the bitterness, hold on to the things that people have done to us in such a way to where we lord it over them every, all, all day, every day. We, we lord people's mistakes over them and we, we, we will not allow them to live over or to come or to rise above the mistakes that they have made, especially if they've made those mistakes toward us. What scripture tells us today is that if we are to, if we are to, if we are being forgiven by a loving and just God, the forgiveness that he gives us should be extended toward others the if, if we are being forgiven by forgiving god we should be willing to extend that same forgiveness that he's given to us onto the landscape of the people who have wronged us in some kind of way um now as a disclaimer i'm not saying that if we forgive someone that it means that we just that, that, that i'm not saying that we should reconcile the relationship that's not what I'm saying. There's a distinct difference between forgiving someone and reconciling and restoring the relationship. Those are two totally different things. But what I am saying is that if we are wronged by someone, the same forgiveness that God extends us as we have, as we have wronged him should then be extended onto people who have wronged us, regardless of the outcome of us extending forgiveness to them. Um... And so let's dig into this word a little bit more to have a greater understanding of what this is all what this all entails. Going into verse 23, 
He said, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one who was brought to, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Let's talk about what a talent is in that, in that time. And to do that, um, I'm going to do a little bit of research right here so that we can have a greater understanding of what a talent is um, in, in the Bible days. So, in the um, um, and I'm getting this from I'm getting this from Wikipedia. I know people be like, "Oh, you get it from Wikipedia," but Wikipedia does have does have these moments, and I have done this um this research before. It says that a talent was a unit of weight, approximately eighty pounds, and when used as a unit of money, was valued for that weight in silver. As a unit of currency. A talent was worth about 6,000 denarii, and 6,000 denarii was the usual payment for a day's labor. And so 6,000 so 6, days pay was considered a talent back in that time in, in its weight in, in, um, in, its, in, silver, in silver. Now, um, I've done some research and they said that it, that, that number, um, 6,000, if you... Um, if you multiply that number by 30, that would give you a talent in gold. A talent in gold was worth six, was worth, so a talent, a talent of silver, um, a talent of silver was worth 6,000 days pay. A talent of gold was about 108, was about, about 18,000, I believe. And so let me do some, let me get some more, um, insight in this because I want to make sure that I'm getting it right before I start doing my number before I start multiplying my stuff um so I've seen it I've seen it written in different ways um let's see a talent of gold Hold on. Okay. All right. So a talent of gold was double the weight of a talent of silver, um, according to according to the scriptures. So that means that that was about twelve thousand about twelve thousand days pay. So if we take that number, and we think about today's time, right? So think about it like this. If we get paid, a, let's say we get paid in American time a living wage, which people have summed up to be about $15 an hour. $15 an hour multiplied by eight hours in a working day is about $120. $120 is a day's pay, $120. So $120 multiplied by 12,000 is one million four hundred and forty thousand dollars okay one million four hundred and forty thousand dollars that is a talent that is a talent of gold now multiply that number by ten thousand and million 
So this person owed this king in our time 14 billion 440 million dollars. 14 billion 440 no 14 I'm gonna get this number right. 14 billion 400 million dollars. That's how much this man owed this king. Now, how he racked up that kind of debt, who knows? But that debt was insurmountable to pay. Insurmountable. Like, he was go, he was, he had paid it up in one day, that ain't happening. So, this man owed $14 billion to this king. Since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. So, basically, he was going to be working for the rest of his life until he died, his kids died, wife died, because there ain't no way we about to work $14 billion. You know, you're talking about lifetimes. You're talking about lifetimes. 6,000 or 12,000 days worth pay. You're talking about doing that for 10,000, you're talking about 10,000 times. You'd work in 12,000 days, 10,000 times. There's just no way to make that work. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave the debt. We got to understand, God loves us so much that, there, that the debt that we owe him for our sins and the debt that we owe him for our transgressions is insurmountable. It is insurmountable. Like, we cannot pay the $14 billion that we owe to God for our sins. You know, we, 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 our sins are so great. Our sin is so insurmountable that there is no way in the world that we can ever pay it back to God. There's just no way. It's not happening. I don't, we, we, ain't, we ain't got it. We talk about this all the time on the show. Our righteousness is but a filthy rag before God. There's no amount of good works that we can do. There's no amount of good things that we can do. There's no amount of good deeds that we can accomplish. No amount of you know, uh, you know, feeding the poor or you know, uh, you know, home, um, housing the homeless. There's no amount of, um, of of gift giving that we can do. No amount of good deeds that we can do to anybody or anything in order to measure up to the righteousness of God. We can never be counted righteous on our own. And because of that, the wages of sin is death. We deserve to be jailed much in, in a spiritual jail, much like how this dude who owed 10,000 talents, $14 billion, deserved to be sent to prison, along with his wife and along with his kids. Like, he deserved that because he couldn't pay. And we deserve it because we can't pay that debt off. We cannot pay that debt off. And yet... Out of the kindness of this man's heart, the kindness of this king's heart, he wrote the debt off. He said, the slate is wiped clean. You don't owe me anything. Go home. And that is what God has done for us. By virtue of Christ dying on a cross and rising again from the dead, if we repent and believe in him, God has wiped the slate clean. He has cleansed us from our all, all from all unrighteousness. He has cleansed us from our iniquities. He has cleansed us from our sins. He has cleansed us from the penalty of death. He has wiped the slate clean for you and me. 
And as a result, we are counted as righteous. We are counted as forgiven. We are counted as clean. We are counted as holy before a holy God. Christ becoming both just and the justifier of our of of us by virtue of saying I am going to give of myself so that if you repent and believe in me you can um, escape the penalty of death escape the penalty of sin escape the penalty of unrighteousness and that should birth in us a love and a joy and a peace and a patience and a kindness that then sweeps across the landscape of our relationships. If the vertical relationship that we have with God is restored in such a way to where we have been, our sins have been forgiven us and we really truly revel in that, we should then be able to lay that same love and lay that same kindness and lay that same forgiveness out into the landscape of our relationships with our people. But as we see in our scriptures, it's much easier said than done, one. And two, sometimes we don't remember all that well what Christ has actually done for us when it comes to the relationships that we have with others. <clears throat> Verse 28. When the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. So a hundred days pay. So if we go back to the calculator... $120 is a day's pay in our time if a person's making a living wage. And we multiply that by 100. This man basically owed him $12,000. This man owed him $12,000. That, that's, that's half a car note. <laughs> that's, that's half a, a, a car mortgage for us in, in, our, in today's time. Um, and so, so what God says to us there is um, this man owed him a much smaller debt in comparison to what this what the what the what the servant owed to the king 14 billion versus 12,000 14 billion versus 12,000 he says when he found his servant he went out and found one of the fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and seizing him began to choke him saying pay what you owe so his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. For some of us, the forgiveness and the kindness that God has shown us, we don't exercise that same love and patience and kindness and forgiveness onto others. We hold grudges against people all the time for things that they have done to us. And that and those grudges that we hold against people, they can make us bitter on the inside. They can cause us to not walk out in the light that God has given us on the inside and cause us to still pattern ourselves off um, as the world does. Where the world says, you know, we're still living eye for an eye. That if you do something to me, I'm going to do something to you. That if you owe me, you better pay me back. You better pay me back in spades. You know, we, 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 we still, you know, operate in a way where if someone has done us wrong, 
you know, we are harboring so much anger and animosity and so much vitriol toward them. And we're claiming to be Christians. That's that that's the key. You know, if you're an unbeliever, you know, I'm, I'm I don't hold you to this standard because, you know, you don't believe in you don't believe in Christ, and so I can't hold you to a standard that you don't believe in. But for us as believers in God, believers in Christ, we can sometimes still hold on to and harbor such anger and such malice and such vitriol towards our brothers and sisters and claim to be Christians, claim to be saved, claim to be a part of the kingdom. If God has indeed risen as has raised us from the dead, we are to set our minds on things above where Christ is. We should be raising our, raising our eyes and lifting our eyes to where Christ is, where God is. And one of the places that God is, is in the space of forgiveness. We are to forgive our brothers and sisters as God has forgiven us. It says in the prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us, you forgive us of our faults, Lord God. And in that same way that you've forgiven us, empower us to forgive those who have wronged us. To forgive those who have hurt us. To forgive those who have done such wrong, who have done such you know bad things to us, give us that same the same love, that same kindness, that same forgiveness, that same patience that you gave to us. Allow us to and, and empower us to extend that to somebody to, to to those who have hurt us, to those who have wronged us. Now again, there is a distinct difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. There's a distinct difference between forgiving someone of what they did and reconciling a relationship. Forgiveness says, I am no longer allowing what happened to um, what ha what happened in this situation to impact or affect me as a person. I am absorbing the debt that is owed to me. Because if someone did something wrong to us, let's call a spade a spade. Um I should be forgiven. I mean, I should be um, apologized to. I should be restored. I should have restitution. I should have, you know, you know, this person owes me back. This, I should, you know, I should be given everything that I'm owed. You know, that is, so if I'm going to forgive someone, I am absorbing all that I have, that has happened to me. Everything that you've done to me, I am absorbing that pain. I'm absorbing that frustration. I'm absorbing everything that has been done to me. And I'm saying I am going to release that up to God and allow God to be God in this situation and forgive you of what you have done to me. Despite whether or not you change, despite whether or not you grow, despite whether or not you move, you 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 know do what do what is necessary of you in light of what you have done to me, and for a lot of us that is a hard pill to swallow because for a lot of us we want that restitution, we want that restoration, we want that reconciliation, but for some people. They are never going to change. They are never going to grow. They are never going to see the error of their ways. They're never going to, to, to pay us back what we are owed by virtue of what they've done to us. But that is why 
the love that God has given us, the kindness that God has given us, the forgiveness God has given us, the patience God has given us, when we are truly absorbed by it, when we are truly, you know, in, immersed in it, and when we truly revel in what God has done for us, that same forgiveness that he gave us when he died on the cross and rose again and extended his grace toward us, that is the same grace and the same love and the same kindness that we are then to extend out into the platform of our relationships in such a way to where we look upon the, the, the landscape of the sin debt that we owed and we say, God, you forgave me of everything that I've done, everything that I've thought, everything that I'm going to do in the future. You've forgiven me for all of these things. How much then should I forgive my brother, forgive my sister for the things that they've done to me? Because again, you've, you've, you've done so much for me. You've been there for me. You've reconciled for me. You've taken care of me despite my rebellion, despite what I've done wrong, despite the fact that I didn't want anything to do with you. I didn't want anything to do with God, didn't want anything to do with a relationship with him, didn't want anything to do with wanting to serve you, to want to worship you, to want to lift you up. I was living in outright rebellion against you in one way, shape, or form, and yet you stooped way down, stooped way down and picked me up. You descended into the point of no return and returned and gave me your righteousness. You gave me forgiveness. You gave me peace. You gave me reconciliation. And as a result, I now extend that, that same forgiveness, that same love, that same kindness, that same grace to another in hopes that they might change, but in recognition that even if they don't, I'm still extending it anyway because of the kindness and the love and the forgiveness that God has given me. For we see that um, further down in verse 32, the master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And what he's saying is when God gives us the heart of flesh, when he takes out the heart of stone and replaces it with a heart of flesh, that heart of flesh is literally the heart of God, the Holy Spirit beating inside of us. And with that comes the ability to do what God has called us to do. The ability to do what we do from a pure place, from a pure heart, without our transgressions and our sins being counted against us. And so as that heart is beating, as that heart is, you know, is, 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 you know, flow, is flowing through us, the same love, the same kindness, the same grace, the same forgiveness that God has given to us, we should now, we now are empowered by the Holy Spirit to extend that same love, that same kindness, and that same forgiveness to other people. And now, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. And I'm not saying that we won't make mistakes sometimes. We, I'm not saying that we won't, you know, um, that we won't, you know, sometimes hold that grudge. I'm not saying that sometimes we won't have that all against our brother. But God empowers us to overlook our pain, to overlook our frustration, 
and be able to still extend forgiveness to them so that we are no longer being controlled or consumed by the anger or the malice or the pain or the frustration that a person has done to us, that a person has, ex has, has, has exacted onto us. That takes the Holy Spirit resonating and in ruling in our hearts in such a way to where no we're not becoming doormats and just letting people walk all over us but we are overlooking or rather you know, we're, we're 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 superseding what they have done through love for as scripture tells us love covers a multitude of sins and we love our brothers and we love our sisters and we extend the kindness and extend the grace and extend the mercy in hopes that they will see the love of God in us, see the light that shines in us through our forgiveness and through our love and through our patience and through our kindness with them and glorify God as a result. And so, again, the same love and the same kindness and the same patience and the same forgiveness that God has extended to us. God charges us to then extend that same love, that same kindness, that same forgiveness, that same, um, that same grace to others so that they can see God in us. Now, again, doesn't mean that they'll accept him. Doesn't mean that they'll, you know, change. Doesn't mean that they'll be like, you know, God, you, you man, you forgave me of what I did for you, man. I'm going to give my life to God now. Or I want to reconcile this relationship. I want to reconcile this friendship. Let us go back to being better friends than what we ever were before. There is no guarantee that that will happen. There's no guarantee that that will be the end result of what of, of, of extending grace to people. But what we can say straight faced is that, you know, regardless of the outcome of you extending grace and extending forgiveness to another person, we are to still extend that same love extend that same grace and extend that same kindness to those who have hurt us, to those who have wronged us, so that we can be free. Free from the pain, free from the anger, free from the frustration, free from, you know, from the from the way that we would act around a person and not be not walking in our freedom, walking in our joy, walking in the love that God has given us. And so I extend this to us as the body of believers today that if you are struggling with forgiving someone if you are struggling with trying to you know move on from a situation that has happened to you in your life if you're struggling with some with with a situation whether it happened in your childhood whether it happened in your early in your teenage years whether it happened to you yesterday if you find yourself in a place where as a believer you are struggling in an area of unforgiveness where you're struggling to give people um, to struggling to not walk in anger to not walk in hurt to not walk in to not walk in pain to not walk in frustration look to Jesus look to Jesus while we were yet sinners Christ died for us while we were yet weak, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were in our mess, while we were in active rebellion against God, Christ died. Christ died knowing we were going to rebel. 
He died knowing we were going to mess up. He died knowing that we were going to make mistakes. He died knowing that we were going to be angry toward God at times. God, and in knowing that, he still got on the cross and died and forgave every last one of us a debt that we cannot recover from. Paid a debt that we cannot, we cannot supplant. We can't get over it. We can't cross, we can't, we can't pay $14 billion worth of sin off. You just can't. It's impossible. Even on your best day, with, even on your best day, if, if, as an unbeliever, we, we're never going to be able to work off our debt. And even as a believer, can we call a spade a spade? Sometimes we can still trap ourselves in believing, if I just do a whole bunch of good deeds, God will overlook my faults. If that was the case, what would be the point of Christ getting on the cross and dying? And so again, saying all that to say that we as the believers in God, we have to be willing to extend the grace of God that God has extended to us. So if we're struggling in that area, we only need to look to Jesus. We only need to look to the cross. We only need to look to God who is saying to us, forgive others as I have forgiven you. Love others as I have loved you. At the end of the day, the, the grace and the kindness and the love and the peace that God has extended to us, he empowers us by the virtue of the Holy Spirit of extending that same love and that same grace and that same kindness onto the platform of our relationships with others. And so, if we as the body of Christ believe in Christ the way that we say we do, if we have repented toward him and we believe in him, then one of the areas that we have to that we have to ensure that we have to work on and allow the Holy Spirit to work on us in is forgiveness. Forgiving others who have done us wrong. Forgiving them in such a way to where we are extending the grace of God toward them in hopes that they too may see God and ask him for forgiveness the same way that we have. As Christ often as Christ said on the cross himself forgive them for they know not what they do sometimes as unbelievers you know people are gonna do what they want to do but then too again believer or unbeliever people are sometimes gonna hurt us and sometimes that pain and that frustration we we, we take it personal and rightfully we should but we also got to remember that we see in the spirit, not just in the flesh. And so even though it is personal and it does hurt, we always got to remember that despite the fact that it does hurt like a mug, that their bigger issue is actually not with you. Their bigger issue is with God. And sometimes God will put us in situations like these so that by extending the love and the grace of God toward them, maybe, maybe they might grow to love God and grow to have a relationship with him despite the pain that they may have caused you. And maybe they may come around and say, you know, I was wrong for what I did. I was foul for what I did. I'm so sorry. I know we may never be able to be friends again, but I just needed to extend this, um, this apology to you that you know that you know I um, that I am truly sorry for what I did and hope that you can you can that you are living in peace 
but if not, that you can go in peace knowing that, you know, that I have hurt you and that I acknowledge it and that I'm trying to move forward with it. Again, no guarantee, no guarantee that that will happen. But forgiveness, again, is not about, it's not about them. It's not, it's about you being at peace with yourself so that you are no longer walking in anger or walking in hurt and in that in and as i'm thinking about it that is an extension of the peace that god has given us that god is mm, thank you holy spirit that i don't need the person saying they're sorry to me to be at peace that's what that and we in and if oh my gosh okay i see i see it i see it sometimes we can want a person to um to ask us for forgiveness and to be sorry for what they, what they did to us so badly that we end up worshiping that moment that we're living for that moment for that person to come and say sorry to me for that person to say I'm sorry that I did that to you we sometimes we had terrible parents who we wish that, that they will come around and say, I'm sorry that I did that to you. I'm sorry that I hurt you. I'm sorry that I, you know, that I was wrong to you. We sometimes live for that moment. And as a result, we won't forgive our parents for what they may have done to us. And listen, some of our parents may have done some heinous things to us. So I'm not, I'm not out here trivializing anything. They may have done some heinous things to us. And so we, 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 we live for that day. We live for that moment when they'll finally come to us and say, I'm so sorry for what I did to you. I'm so sorry, so sorry that I hurt you. Some of us live for the moment when that ex-boyfriend or that ex-girlfriend or that ex-husband or that ex-wife will come back to us and say to us, I'm so sorry for what I did to you. I'm so sorry for how I hurt you. We live for that moment. And so we hold that moment in such high regard that the anger and the malice and the vitriol that we hold inside of our hearts is such to where it governs our day-to-day, -day, where we're living for that moment for the, when they will apologize to us for what they've done, for the hurt and for the pain and for the, the, and for the frustration that they've caused us. We live for that moment. And we won't rest in our souls until we have that. That we that we need that so desperately for a person to for to to ask us for forgiveness. That we're not gonna we're not gonna um, talk to them. We're not gonna you know get, we're not gonna um, you know get be around them. We're gonna act funny around them until said time that they come to us. Sometimes in relationships we'll act that way where we won't speak to our spouses or we won't speak to. Our, um, our boyfriends or girlfriends because we're so frustrated with them that we'll start acting funny start acting a certain way and we won't tell them what's wrong we won't tell them what's happening but we want them to come to us and so we act funny so that way they'll be like what's wrong why are you acting so funny why are you acting this way why are you acting that way we live for that moment that's all malice that's all that's bitterness that's wrought within our hearts in such a way and we're holding that up in such high regard and yet calling ourselves Christians again to the unbeliever this this, this I can't hold you to this standard because you're not a believer but for the believer 
We are holding on to these moments that we want people to ask us for forgiveness and to ask us for restitution and ask us for restoration. And yet, at the same time, calling ourselves saved, calling ourselves redeemed, calling ourselves changed, calling ourselves transformed by the, by the blood-stained banner of Jesus Christ that has transformed our hearts. If we are believers in Christ... We cannot hold these moments in such high regard to where we are now harboring anger, harboring malice, and harboring bitterness toward people who have wronged us and claim to have the forgiveness of God. Those two things should not, because they do, but should not coexist. If the love that we have of God is so great to us, we should then extend that love and that grace and that forgiveness to others again I'm not saying that we risk that that's a restoration of relationship because again reconciliation and forgiveness are two separate things but we should be willing to say I forgive you for what you did I forgive you for what you've done because at the end of the day you know I can't continue to hold on to this and say that I'm saved and continue to live my life and if I'm reveling in the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, then I'm forgiving you for what you did. Now, God may cast it into the sea of forgetfulness, but that doesn't mean I forget. God casts it in the sea of forgetfulness when it comes to sin and when it comes to the penalty of death. And so God forgives in such a way to where he doesn't remember. But he calls us to remember in such a way to where we are mindful that if this person hasn't changed, if this person hasn't grown, if this person is showing that this is who they are, I no longer have to have a connection with them in such a way to where I'm allowing them to hurt me again. Again, distinct difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. The love, the forgiveness that God gives us is such to where he's forgiving the sin debt and the sin penalty that goes for all sin. And, um, and, and so that's what he does for us. And yet God tells us be mindful of, when, of, of people and be watchful of people because people sometimes will not change even after you've forgiven them. And so this is not a blanket, um, statement for people to start walking all over you and just be like you know what you know what yeah you um you, you hurt me but i forgive you you hurt me but i forgive you you hurt me but i forgive you no learn from the mistakes learn from their patterns and if you find that they are continuously repeating patterns over and over again you have the right to sever you have the right to sever the connection when they've shown this is who they are and that they're not going to change and that they're not going to go to God and that they're not going to transform, that they're not going to go to therapy, that they're not going to work on their demons, that they're not going to submit themselves to the altar and ask God to purify their hearts. They're going to keep doing what they're doing. If that's the case, learn from what they've done and then get out of the situation, dissever the connection, increase the boundaries, do what you have to do. But don't allow what they've done to you to create such bitterness within your heart to where you never forgive them. Because what God says is you cannot, you cannot, right? You cannot, you cannot revel in the love and the forgiveness of God. You cannot revel in the love and forgiveness of God 
and not extend it to people. Extend it to others. Those things should not coincide where you're embracing all of the love and forgiveness of God, but then being, um, being spiteful towards your brothers and sisters because of the things that they've done. And so with that, you know, I encourage all of us today as the believers in God that if God loves us and if God has forgiven us and we have accepted by repentance and belief the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the same love and the same forgiveness that he has poured out onto us is the same love and the same forgiveness that we should then extend and pour out unto others in such a way to where we are being the hands and feet of Jesus by extending that love, extending that grace, and extending that forgiveness onto the landscape of the of the world that we live in, in so much that when they see us, they should see God, and then revel in the same love and forgiveness that we are extending to them, if they so choose to. Again, us forgiving people, us loving people, it is not, we hope that people will change, and we hope that people will give their lives over, and we hope that, that you know God will take the scales off of their eyes, but at the end of the day, we can only give people what we know to be true. It's up to them to make the decision whether or not they want to be able to move forward in the love, in the patience, in the kindness, in the forgiveness of God that he has given to us. You are watching the True Gospel Morning Show right here on TikTok Live um, with Eddie D. Uh, we're live Monday through Friday from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, thank you so far for the 3,000 likes that you have given um, this show, this episode on today. Uh, thank you also for the gifts that you have given um, thus far to the show. As, I al as always, not a dime of that goes to me. I'm not some NPC, you know, who's trying to get y'all to get, make me do, you know, act up in certain ways in order to get your money. Um, none of the money goes to me. All the money goes to the subscriptions that are necessary to keep up the um the websites that we have and the podcast that we put up um and so none of, again none of that money goes to me none of that money i got my own job i make my own money i pay my own bills um and so none of that money goes to me it all just goes toward you know keeping the subscriptions up um so i do appreciate every gift that you do give to this uh, ministry um and to this morning show um and so again i thank you guys so so much and i thank you for your viewership thus far um it's currently 647 uh, um, Eastern Standard Time. And so thank you guys so much again for watching the True Gospel Morning Show right here on TikTok Live. Um, I read this story last night and it really uh, frustrated me. And I wanted to read it to you guys and talk about it. Um, Ruby Frank and Eight Passengers, The Rise and Fall of a Parenting Influencer. Um, this was written two days ago. It says, a woman who sprang to fame giving controversial parenting advice has been charged with six counts of child abuse. What happened to Ruby Frank and her family? On a late morning in Utah, a 12-year-old boy covered in open wounds knocked at the door of a neighbor's house asking for food and water. He had escaped the nearby home moments before by climbing out of a window and running away with duct tape still on his ankles, police say. The boy was taken to hospital due to malnourishment and deep lacerations from being tied up with rope, according to the arrest report. Five of the children found in the same house were also taken into care, and Ruby Frank, a parenting influencer and mother of six, was arrested. This week, she was charged with six counts of felony child abuse. How did it come to this? 
for women who imparted parenting advice to 2 million YouTube subscribers. For some, the arrest was no surprise given the hundreds of videos over a number of years that had sparked criticism of her strict parenting style. Miss Frank was behind the 8 Passengers YouTube channel which launched in 2015 during a boom in popularity for an array of family vlogging channels, a genre in their own right, that were making money on the platform. A year later, her videos had gained tens of thousands of views. She told local news at the time that the fil that filming herself with her family helped her live, the, live in the present and just enjoy the kids. The videos she edited were a view into her life, showing a typical Mormon suburban ha family homeschooling, cooking, eating, and chanting away together. But some moments raised eyebrows. In one video, she could be seen telling her sons they would lose the privilege to eat dinner if they continued play fighting. In another, she said that her six-year-old needed to go hungry after forgetting to take her lunch to school. Quote, nobody, hopefully nobody gives her food and nobody steps in and gives her a lunch because then she's not going to learn, unquote, she told the camera. They have been trying to teach their children to live responsibly as masters of themselves, her husband Kevin Frank later said of the incident. Despite the criticism, the Frank's authoritarian parenting approach continued and the audience kept building. Experts believe, in her, believe her success reflects a modern anxiety among parents that can lead them to seek out radical and harmful solutions. For, quote, for parents who feel lost and desperate, particularly when it's dealing with problematic behavior, extreme techniques become appealing, particularly if they see results. Parenting psychologist Dr. Marion Baker told the BBC, the success of family vlogging channels like Miss Frank's can play on people's fears about their own parenting skills, child development develop specialist Dr. C um, Siggy Cohen explained. Quote, parents are scared to make mistakes and look for someone that seems to them to be fully in charge and in control. Um, scrolling down, the controversy effective, effectively marked the beginning of the end for the 8 Passengers YouTube channel. Daily videos whittled down to two or three videos per week and then none at all before it was deleted. But Ruby Frank remained active on social media, forming a new advice channel on June 2022 called Connections with business partner and counselor Jody Nan Hildebrand. Um, on August 30th, the two women were arrested after Miss Frank's malnourished son made his escape. Days later, they were charged with six counts of child abuse. Justice is being served, her eldest daughter wrote on Instagram, claiming she had been trying to raise concerns about her estranged family with police and child protection services for years. Miss Frank's arrest needed to happen, her sisters wrote in a joint statement, saying that they had previously kept quiet for the sake of the children involved. Neither Miss Frank nor Miss Hildebrand has responded to BBC's request for comment. The law firm representing Miss Frank told the BBC that they would not make a statement. Kevin Frank's lawyer had distant, has distanced himself from the abuse allegations, saying he had no role in them. He's a good person, Randy Kester told Good Morning America, claiming that the Franks have been living in separate homes for the past 13 months. Miss Frank's children are now safe, according to her sisters and estranged daughter, who said they have a long road ahead to recovery. Um, so... One of the things that um, my wife and I make make makes our blood, you know, boil, um, is when you mess with the babies. Um, when you're messing with the babies, that make that makes the skin 
makes my skin crawl, makes my makes my blood boil. Um, that same forgiveness that God has extended to us, we should extend to them. And so, as I'm sitting here with my blood boiling, I am reminded of the words that Christ just said, if you don't forgive them, I can't forgive you. Um, remind you, she didn't wrong me, um, but that's still that same grace and that same mercy and that same kindness that God has given to us. It's the same grace and the same mercy and the same kindness that is extended to her by virtue of her being an image bearer, despite, you know, walking in this, um, in this extreme, um, mode of parenting. Um, so, my, my beef really isn't with them. My beef really isn't with her. Um, because, you know, she did what she wanted to do. And... You know, and and although I'm 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 hurt and upset at the fact that she did this to defenseless children, she did this to defenseless children. At the same time, you know, you know, it's frustrating to see. It's frust it's frustrating to see because those kids did not deserve that. Those kids did not deserve to be treated, you know, with any type of extreme animosity. You know, I tell people all the time, treat those treat those kids with kindness. Treat them with kindness. I'm not saying that you gotta, you know, um, you know, that you just gotta, you know, treat them with positive parenting. I'm not saying that. But whatever you do to them, whatever you're gonna do to try to get them to mind, do so with kindness. Do so with kindness. But again, my beef really ain't with her. My beef really ain't with her. Um Watching the show Little Lunch, Deborah Jo um, got in trouble at one point because she didn't tell the teacher something that was going on with her friends. And the teacher, uh, Ms. Gonsha, said to her, bad things happen when. And um, Deborah Jo looked at her like she was funny because she knew what the answer was, but she didn't want to say it. So, so the teacher said again, bad things happen when. And Deborah Jo was like, when good people do nothing. And she said, exactly. Bad things happen when good people do nothing. The eldest daughter went to the cops and went to CPS multiple times and told them what was happening in that house. CPS went to the house and found nothing. The girl went to the cops and the CPS repeatedly and the cops and CPS did nothing the sisters of this woman knew what was going on in this house they saw what was happening in this house they recognized what was happening in this house they saw the signs of what was happening in this house and their own words the arrest needed to happen but that they previously kept quiet for the sake of the children involved so you knew that this lady needed to be arrested you knew that this lady was abusing these kids you knew that there was a lot of pain going on in this house and yet for the sake of the kids you said nothing. For the sake of the kids, you did nothing. 
for the sake of the kids. You saw what was going on and you kept quiet. And now that it's made such media attention, now you want to stand up and say, this arrest needed to happen. I'm glad that it happened. Like, yeah, no crap, it should have happened. It should have happened years ago. And you knew, and you did nothing. You knew, and you said nothing. What, 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 what makes my skin crawl is when people see that something should be done. They see, they know that something should be done. And you stand there and you do nothing. And you, and you just watch it happen. I've seen it happen so many different times and so many different ways and so many different occasions. Uh, um, or, 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 you know, or, or, you know, have caught wind of seeing these things happen where good people would not stand up and do something about what was going on in the situation. How often have we heard of people within churches, for example, who have been hurt, who have been abused, who have been, you know, um, mishandled, who have been, um, who have been treated with such vitriol and such rage and such hurt and such pain, you know, and we hear about it time and time again, and people know about it and do nothing. They do nothing about what happened. Do nothing about the abuse. Do nothing about the pain. Do nothing about the, 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 the gossip lines and do nothing about what's been going on. We see it happening, you know, in, 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 in our homes and we see it happening on the streets where, you know, we see nowadays where, you know, the gone are the days where people actually stand up and do something when they see something happening. Rather, they're just going to pick up their phones and just start filming. Just pick up their phones and start filming and start oohing and aahing rather than jumping in and trying to break things up or jumping in things and trying to stop things from happening. Like, we, like what gone are the days where we're actually standing up for what for what's right and standing up for what's true. But then we want to stand there and say, yes, she should have been arrested. Yes, this arrest needed to happen. You know, how often have we, are we, are, have we seen where good people doing nothing good people doing nothing these children could have been spared from all of this stuff a boatload of stuff going on people on YouTube criticized um, people in the TikTok universe criticized what was going on tried to you know file reports tried to file petitions and the people that could do something about it did nothing did absolutely nothing you know, the, the people made comments and said, you know what, this don't look right to me. This this doesn't look, this, 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 walk like a duck, talk like a duck. Something ain't right here. And those people still did nothing. It took a child breaking out of a home, finally walking, finally getting out of a home and walking a few houses down with the tape on his ankles, you know, lacerations around his wrist looking malnourished for somebody to finally step up and say let me get this boy some help let me get this boy some help it took all of that to finally get this boy to get the family to get the other kids the help that they needed the boy should not have had to stand up for himself someone should have stood in the gap for him someone should have advocated for him I'm a therapist and I talked to a lot of people who talked to me about the abuse that they took as kids. 
the abuse that they took from parents who were neglectful, parents who could not, you know, tend to their emotional needs, um, couldn't tend to their physical needs, and they were they and the trauma that they went that they endured as a result of that. And they talk sometimes about how they had to be their own best friend. They had to uh, you know, advocate for themselves, they had to take care of themselves. No child should be put in a position where they have to take care of themselves, let alone a whole a whole grown person. No child should be put through that. No child should 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 have to go through that. You know, we are to raise our children up in the Lord. We are to we are to raise them up. Let's just, this is I mean, let's you know, even if we take God out of the equation, which we shouldn't, but let's take him out of the equation. No child should be no child should be should be left behind. Like no child should ever have to go through or endure or experience what any of these children have endured or experienced. And as a result, um, we should be willing to advocate for these kids, to advocate for them in such a way to where we are able to stand up for them when they are in need. A kid should not have to find their voice and state their voice, you know, against their parents. Their parents should be advocating for them, should be fighting for them to make sure that they are their best and raising them up in such a way to where they are good, decent men and women in the world. This, these children didn't deserve that. These children should not have been their own advocates, should not have been their own support, should not have tried to take care of themselves. These kids do have a long road ahead of them. No thanks to these cockamamie flipping sisters of um of, of the woman who got arrested because y'all knew if I were the kids I wouldn't feel safe with them either because they knew and they did nothing they knew and they did nothing I, I, I didn't say anything for the sake of the kids you want a cookie for that you want an award for that no, you should have said something and got those kids out. That that was that would have been for their sake. But no, you stood by and you did nothing, you said nothing and allowed and the kid had to stand up for himself in order for justice to finally be served. That's nothing to pat your back, to pat your back on. That's nothing to yeah, they they shit shit this is what the dress was needed. That's nothing to, to clap your hands about. Yes, the arrest should have happened, and you should be you, and there should be some reprimand for you too, in some way, shape, or form, because you didn't stand up for those kids, you didn't stand up for them. You should you should advocate for kids and stand up for kids no matter what. Advocate for anybody who's being wronged. When you see something, you say something. Going on a party tonight, Brooklyn Nine Nine reference, but you should stand up for them. You should advocate for them. You should fight for anyone, fight for the widows, fight for the orphans, fight for anyone who is going through, who is going through a tough time. Advocate for those people. Advocate for anyone who is going through. Oh, Squeedy, you got it. You got it. You got it, right? You got it. Um, but advocate for anyone who is going through, who is going through, <laughs> you stupid, <laughs> who's going through a tough time, who is going through a situation who is going through a circumstance. And so we we have to advocate for our children. 
advocate for our for the ones who cannot advocate for themselves stand in the gap for those who are going through stand in the gap for those who are in need one of the things that you know that you know saddens me you know just looking at you know the, the political landscape is that far far and wide far and large now people aren't advocating for us anymore they're not advocating for the for the american people anymore you know it's just a matter it's just a popularity contest now how can i be the most popular person in the room and we've lost our we've lost our advocacies we we've lost our advocates and so i'm praying that this be an example to us that we are reminded that if you see something man say something you see a child who ain't looking their best say something if you see somebody who is looking like they are in need of something say something don't just don't just stand there don't get on TikTok and and film say something do something like you, especially us as believers if we're empowered by the holy spirit if we see something let's do something let's act let's let's do what is necessary to 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 advocate for the people who are in need because how can we say that we are the hands and feet of Jesus how can we say that we are the hands and feet of Jesus if every time we see if, if the only time that we act is when it's convenient for us no we should we should act even when it's inconvenient we should act even when it might cost us something because it is better to act and be able to sleep at night than to do nothing and, you know, bad, badder things happen because we did nothing. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show right here on TikTok Live. I'm grateful for everyone who has been watching so far. We're here Monday through Friday from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, and certainly grateful for everyone who has been on. Thank you for the 3,000 likes that we've gotten so far. Thank you for the gifts that we have gotten so far. Um, I'm going to start going through this, the, the, uh, the comments and see what we got going on in here. Um, let's see. I shall use the dumb and confound the confound to minister my word and all things get understanding. Um, history repeats itself. Mm-hmm. Um, dinosaurs had a question. I don't know if dinosaurs is still here, um, but you know if they want to if they want to ask the question, they are more than welcome to do so. Um, count it all joy. Many child tribulate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anthony C., we are definitely praying for you today. Let's see. Um, how are... Um, okay, so definitely not going to worry about that one. Um, if you have any questions or concerns, feel free to fill out that comment box below. Um, definitely grateful um, you know, for every person who is on right now. Um, go ahead and make sure this person don't come back on. I don't, I didn't like that one. I didn't like that one. Um, let's see. Okay. 
um, Jamar with the ball head said Jesus was a system deity. His game don't translate. Um, okay, I don't understand what that means. Um, so, um, there isn't any um, comment or question in the comment box below, um, which is all good. That means that you guys are um, that you're, that are on are just simply listening, which I got no qualms with whatsoever. Um, and so, um, in light of that, um, there are a couple other things I want to talk about yesterday, but I did not get to it. Um, and so, I'm going to try to see uh, which one I want to talk about right now. Okay. So, I have, um, and I'm going to see if I can look it up really quickly. Got my nifty little laptop right here in front of me today. Um, pull that out. Um, let me see. Uh, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Where are you? Ah, okay. All right. Um, what's going on, Leslie Lomax? Hope you're doing great as well. Hope you're doing great as well. Thank you so much. I appreciate the love. Um, Romans chapter 10, verse number 3. Um, now, Paul was particularly talking to the, about talking about the um, the uh, the Jews um, in this case, but this is for um, this 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 is a, this is a blanket statement for us all if we if we think about it long enough. I bear witness that they have a zeal for God but not according to knowledge. That was verse 2. Verse 3, For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. They did not submit to the righteousness of God. Um... Make sure I get my word right one more time. Almost forgot it, just like that. Let me see. What is it? What is it? What is it? Gotta put my marker there. Relative perfection. Okay. Um. All right. So, what I find happening for a lot of us in today's age, more than in any other generation, although it's been happening ever since the dawn of time, is that we have an idea of what perfection looks like. Of what perfection is supposed to be we have this idea of what good is supposed to be we have an idea of what righteousness is supposed to be we have this idea of what you know being a good Christian is, is supposed to be we have an idea of what being a good person is supposed to be more so than in any other generation because of the individualistic uh, personas that we that we are taking on and have really moved away from the collective mentality and the collective perspective and the community uh, perspective of things, um, we all now, more so than ever, have an individualistic idea of what good, what righteous, what right, what perfection is supposed to be. And as a result of that, because of the, the, so let me, let me kind of back up a little bit more. Um, one of the great things that has come through the advent of social media, 
is that we are no longer we are no longer you just you just took it from me Vesper you just took it from me we are now able to connect to people in a way that we never had before and as a result we have more access now to the truth than we ever have before or at least we have access to information that resonates with us so much more than we ever have before now this I think is a good thing for the church in that a lot of the things that we used to think were real were truth were the way we're recognizing man we have been we've missed the bar we've missed the mark by so far a margin when it comes to our faith walk when it comes to God when it comes to godliness when it comes to sanctification when it comes to salvation forgiveness like we have missed the bar so far and so one of the great things about having platforms like these is that it's given us the opportunity to deconstruct our faith to no longer operate from a place of mama's faith or daddy's faith or grandma's faith you know just being a part of the church because I was because my mom was a part of the church or my dad was a part of the church or everybody else has been a part of the church for so long and so um, so because they've been a part of the church I'm a part of the church I'm a Christian because they're a Christian no we're actually able to have our own faith more so than in any other generation in, in, in American culture like my faith is not my daddy's faith my faith is not my mom's faith my faith is my faith the faith that I in, in what I believe in it's not what I, my parents believe in it's what I believe in and I've been in more so than in any other generation as Vespertine says we can see diversity in other perspectives on life and with those perspectives it gives us a better a better it can give us a better and proper understanding of who God is and um and who Christ is and what Christ has accomplished for us but also coming with that comes other different ideas of who God is and what God is and what he's come to accomplish in the world, what he's done in the world, and what that means for us. There are a lot of people who, are, who got a lot to say about God and about Christ and about the Holy Spirit and about the Bible and about church and all those sort of things. There's a lot of people who got a lot to say. And a lot of that stuff that they say is erroneous to the faith according to the scriptures. With, but with those perspectives that they have, they have now these, these ideas of what perfection should be, what goodness should be, what love should be, what, um, what kindness should be. And as a result, getting back to my original point, we have proverbially put ourselves in God's seat. We've put ourselves in God's seat. And we are now saying more so than in any other generation that what I say is the truth. And what I believe is the truth. And anyone and anything that comes up against my truth is now in seat of my judgment. And I can call them right or wrong, good or bad. And this is what a lot of us who are sitting in these seats of judgment 
are doing to God now. More so than in any other generation. But again, been happening since the dawn of time. We sit in a seat of judgment. And we say to God, God, I believe that you are wrong. You are wrong in my eyes. You are wrong based on my system of thinking when it comes to right and wrong, good and bad, good and evil, based upon my relative, based in 2023 finite thinking, I know more than you. I am better than you. I think more highly than you. I have a better idea of how this world should run than you. I believe I am better than you. My conscience is clearer than yours. My, my thoughts are better than yours. My feelings are better than yours. My actions are better than yours. As Vespertine says, a lot of people think this way. I am more moral than God. All of those things are the relative perfection that we as people can submit ourselves to and submit ourselves to it in such a way to where we sit in a seat of judgment and we place God in our judgment. We put him in the witness box and we peddle him with questions of if you are so good, then why do you do this? If you are so great, why had you why had you how why have you done this? If you are so awesome, why did you allow this? If you're supposed to be a God of love, why did you allow this to happen? And on repeat, just as Vespertine is saying right there in the comment box, we they hit God time and time again with question after question after question after question that assumes that they know more than God, that they know better than God. That they in their in their finite thinking, that us in our finite thinking, in the limited scope and view of the world that we have, in our limited view and scope of time that we have, that we can sit in a seat of judgment and tell God how he ought to operate. That we can sit in a seat of judgment and tell God, this is how you should do it. This is how you ought to run it. This is how you ought to act. This is how you should have did it. You shouldn't have done it that way because if you were a good God, then you would have done it this way. If you were a loving God, you would have done it that way. If you were an awesome God, you would have done it that way and not this way. If you were so great, you would have acted like this. If you were so awesome, you would have done it like this. If you were so powerful, you would have done it like this. Because if you're supposed to be God, then why would you do things the way that you did them? We, as people, we have to, we have to understand, and again, you know, this is, I'm talking to believers, so, you know, again, you know, if you are not a believer, you are not going to understand this, and I'm, and I, I don't have the, I don't, I don't know, well, I can try, but I don't have the ability to give, I know, no, I can't try, I'm sorry, I don't have the ability to show you what God needs to show you for you to believe. I can only present to you what I know God has shown me based on my, my repentance and belief toward him. You know, the God of the universe, he sees all, he knows all, and he's everywhere all at once, all at the same time. 
and God has orchestrated his will in such a way to where he is loving and leading his people into relationship with him. And as a result of that, you know, we as, as people, we recognize our inferiority to his superiority. No matter how much we know, no matter how much we think we, we have a grip on the morality of life, no matter how awesome we think we are, our, our um, goodness, our kindness, our moral superiority pales in comparison to the Almighty God. As it says in scripture, our righteousness is but a filthy rag before a righteous God. But for a lot of us, we will rather submit to our version of righteousness than to submit to God's righteousness. And again, because of that, the tendency is for us to think that God is wrong, that God is foul, and we won't serve or believe in a God who doesn't operate the way that we think he ought to. We don't want to be the we don't want to be in his world because he doesn't act the way we think he ought to act. But that's not how God rolls. God is not a God who is going to capitulate to creation. He's not going to capitulate to how we think or how we feel or how we act. That's not God. God is so far superior to us and he's got so many things that he's that he's in command of. He's in command of the whole universe that he does not have to submit or capitulate to our will. Furthermore, how we define good in our world today is relative to the culture in which we live in. Said it like this. Said it like this. What we think is moral and what we think is kind. Oh, thank you, Riri. If what we think is good and what we think is kind and what we think is morally superior in this country, if you go to a wholly different country, your moral superiority will be completely different to theirs. And they can still be good and kind people, but our moral superiority is relative to the country that we live in and the standards that we live in in this country. You go to a different country and you go to a different world and you say to, and you say this and do the same things that we do here there. You could be arrested for that. And in their country, in their world, they would believe that they are morally superior to you morally superior to me if i go into their country and do something that's out of line with them that's perfectly okay for me to do here but it's out of line to do there they would they could hold me accountable to that and think that they are morally superior to me as a result of that we can't say that our morals are superior to anyone else's one and two we can't say that our superiority is comparable to God. Because again, if our moral superiority is so great, then why doesn't everyone prescribe to it? Why doesn't the whole world subscribe to, to subscribe to our superior moral superiority, to our morality? And the reason being is because morality in a broken world where broken people do broken things it's relative to the country in which you live. It's relative to the place that you live in, the culture that you live in. Heck, even in America, things that you do here in the South, you better not try to do in the North. Your things you do in the North, you better not try to do in the West. 
things you do in the West, you better not try to do in Texas. Texas, things you do in Texas, you better not try to do in Illinois. Because even, even in our own country, there are moral things that are different relative to the place in, 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 that you live in. Even in the city that you might live in. If you go to one part of town, you better act a certain way. If you come to a different part of town, you better act a certain way. That you can't, you better, you better not cross those, 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 um, those district lines and think you can just act any old kind of way. So the, again, our morality pales in comparison to the morality of God. But that's not even the, that's not even the point. The point is, we will sometimes feel like we are so, so um, morally superior to God that we will sit in a seat of judgment and we'll tell God, I'm not rocking with you because I am better than you. I am more superior than you. I am, I know more than you. And because I know more than you, because I'm morally superior to you, I will not submit to you. And again, that is indicative of the, of, the, of the relative perfection that we as people will carry around. Because one person's morality will look completely different from another's morality, and that in and of itself will even clash. Like, we think that we can be so morally superior that, again, anyone who doesn't think like me, anyone who doesn't feel like me, anyone who doesn't believe like me, I can see them now as my enemy as my enemy because they don't think like me because they don't feel like me because they don't act like me and so even in discourse of conversation we can act as if my superiority is better than your superiority even even if we both don't believe in god mine is better than yours and so now we're even clashing on that and so again we can say that we had that we have you know that we are morally superior but at the end of the day, all it does is just create more conflict and more, um, more crashing. Because again, all of us nowadays feel like we got the we got the answer. We cracked the code on moral superiority. That we cracked the code on being a good person. That we cracked the code on being a righteous person. And the scripture tells us, and all throughout scripture we see that any time that we think we know more than God. Anytime we think that we know more than him, God will find a way to remind us, no, you are not the moral superior. You, you are not morally superior to me. You are not good compared to me. You are not righteous compared to me. I am God. And by virtue of being the creator of the universe, the creator of the universe, by virtue of being the creator of the universe, I say what I I have the final say. I sit on the throne. I sit in the seat of judgment. And for a lot of us, it's hard for us to fathom that. Because for a lot of us, once again, we feel as though if God is so good, then he ought to do things my way. And so for people like Vespertine, who are staunchly against God because of the things that they heard about God and the things that have read about God and they can't get in their minds why God would act a certain way and they and they won't get behind that you know my heart goes out to them because again you know while it is true that some people are the most some people are not going to get into the kingdom because they don't want to worship and they don't want to follow God at the same time 
God does wish for all of us to come to repent to repentance. And it sometimes takes God knocking off of our knocking us off of our proverbial high horse, um, i.e. Saul, you know, in order for us to finally be blinded by our flesh, but to finally see in the spirit. And so, um, and so my heart, um, and so, and that's fine, Vespertine. Uh, Vespertine says, don't feel sorry for me. I have more peace and freedom than ever. That, that's, and I'm, I'm glad you do. I'm glad you do. So my sorry isn't about you having the peace and freedom. My sorry is that you won't get to know God. That's what I feel sorry about because peace, you know, is all well and good. But knowing Jesus is the greatest good that we could ever have. The, the, the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus is what I feel sorry for you for. Because, because you have that peace and freedom, you will never know what it feels like to have Christ. To be, to be everything that you could ever have. And because of that, you know, I mean... He has. So, this is the last thing I'm going to say to you, Vespertine, and then I'm going to mute you. You know, the fact that you're even here on my live today and going back and forth with us today is indicative of the, the fact that God is still reaching his hand out to you. He's still reaching his hand out to you because you could literally be watching anything else literally be watching anything else on TikTok and yet you saw fit to come on this live and have a conversation with us and have a discourse with us about your beliefs and how God is morally inferior to you I didn't tell you to come on the live you came on here and you're still here and so that is indicative of God still reaching his hand out to you and saying Try me. Come on. I'm still here. I'm still here. I still want a relationship with you. I still love you. I still want a relationship with you. I still love you. I still want a relationship with you. And so again, you know, I don't think that God, you know, I don't think that God did that by accident. I don't think God did that by accident. And so my hope and prayer is that as you're continuing to watch the live, I don't know, you might be gone now. Because like I said, I'm going to mute you. But you might be gone now. But God loves you and wants a relationship with you. And the fact that you've been on this live as long as you have and said the things that you said, I don't find that coincidental. For anyone who doesn't believe in God and doesn't believe in Christ and yet stays on channels like these, the True Gospel Morning Show right here on TikTok, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Monday through Friday, for you to be on here as long as you are, that is God knocking on the door of your heart saying, come in, come on in, like, again, no one is forcing anybody to come on this show. I don't force anybody to come on this show. As you're scrolling through TikTok, you know, you find, 
you know, the things that, that, that and, and you come on and you see, you know, and at the end of the day, I'm not forcing you to be here. No one's forcing you to be here. I don't find that to be coincidental. I believe that is the Holy Spirit knocking on the door of your heart. That's Christ knocking on the door of your heart. As you said, if he, he had 35 years to try. He's knocking on the door right now. So why not let him in? That indicates to me pain, hurt, frustration, anger, malice, strife. And in that, your heart has been hardened against God because why would a good God do something so heinous to you? And so whatever that thing is that God has done to you, or whatever it is that's happened that you feel like God shouldn't have allowed to happen to you. God is extending his hand and saying, let me show you something. Let me, let me show you something. Something about what happened in your life that you may not be able to understand and process as you were younger. You were trying to figure it out for 35 years and still haven't been able to put it together. Let me help you. Let me help you try to unpack that thing so that you can have a greater understanding and appreciation of who I am and why I brought you to the True Gospel Morning Show on this morning to try to minister to your heart in some type of way. Um, but yeah, that in and, of, in and of itself is what we're talking about today, that the relative perfection that we hold and harbor in our hearts our own righteousness our self-righteousness is sometimes what creates the chasm between us and God because we feel like we know so much better than God we know so much more than God we are better than him we know more than him we're morally superior to him I have as you know Vespertine said the peace and freedom that I've never had before because I have these things, you know, I am now able to walk in the freedom and the love that I have for myself. And I know more than God as a result. That is the relative perfection that we as people sometimes will have in such a way to where it blocks us from having a loving relationship with God. Because we are now sitting on the throne and holding God in our judgment. When God, who are we to ever place through the creator God in our judgment? Who are we? The miserable, busted up, imperfect creatures that we are. Who are we to hold a perfect God in our judgment? Who are we to tell God how to love? Who are we to tell God how to act? Who are we to tell God how, you know, how to how to do things in the world? Who are we to, you know, tell God that he was wrong for how he treated for how he treated Egypt? You know, when he got the Israelites out of that, when he got the when he got the, the Israelites out of when he got the Israelites out of Egypt. Who are we to tell God, you know, how to, um, you know, how to show his love and his kindness? 
you know, by, you know, his son dying on the cross and rising again? Who are we to tell God that, you know, he shouldn't have done things the way that he did them? He's freaking God. And by being God, he has the right to do whatever he wants to do, however he wants to do it. And as I've said before, even Christ being a perfect person was considered a bad guy in the country that he lived in. So, even the morally superior can be dead wrong. Just because they know better doesn't mean that they are better. So again, we got to be ever so careful that we don't put ourselves in a seat of judgment and say to God, I know more than you. I'm talking to the believers. Sometimes we can think we know so much about God that we can then put him in our judgment and think to ourselves, I know enough about him. I don't need to know anymore. I now sit in that seat of judgment. And we won't even we won't even we won't even say it out loud. But we be thinking it. We be feeling it. And it shows up in how we treat people. It shows up in how we treat people who are not like Christ. It shows up in in in, in us when we treat people who are coming to Christ as if they gotta clean their lives up in order to look the part of being saved, look the part of being delivered. You know, it shows up when we don't exercise the same love and the same grace and the same forgiveness that God has extended upon us onto others. And when we don't extend that same love that God gave us onto others. And so we got to be ever so mindful and ever so careful that we are not submitting ourselves to our own righteousness and are submitting to the righteousness of God. That we are asking God daily to humble us and to um, and to um, show us his truth and to show us his kindness and to show us his love in such a way to where we are then able to walk in the peace and the love and the freedom and the joy that he has given us being mindful that he is the creator God he is superior to us in every way shape and form if he is the the, the iPhone, the, the latest iPhone, I can't remember if it's 12, 13, 95, or whatever it is now. We are the iPod. Does, does some of y'all even know what an iPod is? Like, that's how inferior we are. If, if God is the, is the iPhone, man, we the CD player. We, we, the, we, the, we the A-track tape. <laughs> when it comes to God, even on our best day. Like, He's 4K, 8K HD. <laughs> we a black and white tube TV. Like, come on. We are, we are, in, God is incomparable to us. And thank God for that. Can I, woo-woo! Can, can I say thank God for that? Thank God for that, right? Because if it were left to some of us to be in the seat of judgment, half of us would be gone. Okay? Half of us would be gone. We'd be Thanos snapped in an instant. Let's call a spade a spade. If it were up to some of us, and we were sitting in God's seat, and we had the power to do whatever we wanted to do, however we wanted to do it, whenever we want to do it, half us be gone. 
So I thank God that it's God that's sitting on the throne and not so many people who want to sit on the throne. Because for so many people who want to sit on the throne, we'd be gone in a heartbeat. They wouldn't even put, they wouldn't even put up with us. The, the, the patience, oh my gosh. Woo-wee. The patience that God has for us is so freaking incalculable. Because you got some people who wouldn't be patient with a dang gnat, let alone us, okay? God says that he, you know, that a day to God is like a thousand years, and he doesn't want anybody, you know, to, um, to, to not come to repentance. And so he's being patient with a lot of us, being patient with a ton of us, you know, that he allows us to live and allows us to still move and have all being despite you know, despite the, the carnage and the chaos that we're letting just, just run ramshod all over the place, like, he allows some of us to endure time to get it right with him, to repent to him, to, um, to, um, to follow him, to seek after him, to believe in him. Like, that's patience, man. Because some people, just like the person that I read about Miss Franks today, Ruby Franks, man, listen. Let it have been up to me. I don't know if I'd be patient with her. I'm going to be called spade a spade. That mess bothers me. But thanks be to God, we serve a God who is patient. Who has been patient with us when we were in our mess. Patient with us despite our moral superiority. Our seat of judgment that we sit in. Despite our, you know, our judgment and, and unkindness and unfavorableness to others. God was patient with us long enough to save us from ourselves like god sitting on the throne is the best thing that could have ever happened to some of us because had it been up to anybody else we'd be gone and so i thank god that it's god sitting on the throne i thank god that i'm not sitting on the throne because if it were up to me sitting on the throne listen this world being up this world would you think this world is messed up now this world would be jacked up if it were me sitting on the throne if it were you sitting on the throne, if it was anybody else sitting on the throne, this world would be jacked the freak up if anybody, if any one of us was sitting on the throne. Because our hearts are so, are so, you know, um, oriented and so, you know, um, put in a place where we just don't, you know, Jedi Marcus 125 says, I feel like God doesn't listen to me or love me anymore. Give me more detail on that. Talk to me about that. What's going on there? What's going on in that space where you feel like God isn't listening to you or love you anymore? What's going on in that place? You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show right here on TikTok Live. We are live Monday through Friday uh, from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm giving um, Jedi Marcus a chance to respond to um, my follow-up for him because he said he feels like God doesn't listen to him or love him anymore. Um, and so what's going on in that space? Talk to me. What's going on there? Um, what, why do you feel that way? Again, we're here Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm thankful so much for the 3,000 likes. I'm thankful for the gifts that have been given. Again, no dime goes to me. It all goes to the ministry and all for the upkeep of, um, of this um, he says, I haven't read the Bible in years, and I've been so busy to the point where I feel lost. So, um, the parable of the prodigal son, man, 
parable of the prodigal son. Sometimes we as Christians can get so complacent in our walk with God that we stop reading, we, we stop praying, we stop meditating, we still we we feel we just stop doing all the things that we you know should be doing to upkeep our relationship with God, not to be saved. We're already saved, we're already in, but just to commune with God and to get to know him more and to get to know him better. Um, we all go through some we all sometimes go through the ebbs and flows of our relationship with God. Um, thank God, thank God that you have the recognition. Thank God that you have the awareness that you have kind of strayed so far away from him. Guess what? He never abandoned you. God has not abandoned you. God has not turned away from you. God has not turned his face away from you. God still loves you. God still desires to commune with you. God still desires to be close to you. Do not feel like God doesn't listen to you or love you anymore. Because God does. Our feelings, our flesh, can sometimes hinder us from knowing that God is still there. Our flesh, our desires, our temptations, our trials, our tribulations, the devil himself, can sometimes put us in a position where we feel like God is not there. We cannot operate in our flesh. We cannot operate in our feelings. We have to operate in the Spirit. And what does the Spirit of God tell us? Christ said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Christ said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Christ said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for God is with me. And so, do not feel like God is not with you. Do not feel, uh, do, do, no, I mean, feel it, but that feeling is the gnawing and the longing that God is using to pull you back toward him. And so you haven't read your Bible in years. You've been so busy to the point where you feel lost. I encourage you today. I encourage you today, Jedi Marcus, to open your Bible. Anywhere. Just just open it. Just, just open it. It doesn't matter where. Don't, don't be trying to get back on the ball and like I'm going to do a one-year plan. Like, no. Don't even, don't even do yourself like that. Don't even, don't even trip like that. Just open it. Just open the word. You feel like God isn't there? Talk to him. That's what prayer is. It's a conversation with the Lord. Talk to him. Ask talk to him about why things have gotten so busy for you. Talk to him about why um why you feel like you're lost. Talk to him about why you feel like you're confused. Talk to him why you feel like he doesn't listen to you and why he doesn't love you anymore. And let him minister to you. Let him reveal to you. Let the Spirit of Christ reveal to you. I ain't going nowhere. I've been here the whole time, prodigal son. You know, you 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 went out and you did your own thing. And you realized that doing your own thing ain't what's happening. It ain't where it's at. It ain't all it's cracked up to be. And now you realize I should probably go home. I should probably go back home. And make myself of a servant because at least my servants get three square in a in a in a in a, in a bed to lay in a day. I'll just be a servant. Go home, come back home, because I promise you, the same God who ushered you into a relationship with Him is the same God who is gonna welcome you back home with open arms, saying, "You're not just a servant; you are my son. We are the sons and the daughters of God." We're not just the servants of God. 
we are servants of God, but we're not just servants of God. We are the sons and the daughters of God. We are the children of God. We are heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. Like, you're in the kingdom. So, come home. Just come home. Open the word. Pray. Talk. Thank God for the show. Thank you for talking to us, the body of believers. You can come home. It's okay. You got busy. We all do sometimes. We get busy. We fall short. We stop reading books and stop reading Bibles and stop, you know, communing with God. It happens. But come home. Come home. God is not expecting you to clean your life up before you come back to him. He is not expecting you to get it right before you come back to him. He is saying, turn around. Repentance. Remember, repentance is a turning. It's a turning. And sometimes in this life, the cares of this world are going to turn us back. So God's saying, turn back around. I'm not asking you to, you know, follow the Ten Commandments before I love you. I'm not asking you to follow the Beatitudes before I love you. And I'm asking you to denounce, you know, um, uh, to, well, I ask you to denounce things. But I'm not asking you to give everything up all, you know, just flat-faced, you know, all in one drop to follow me. I'm saying you're in the kingdom now. You're already in the kingdom. Like, you're already in. Like, you've already received salvation. You've already, you're already saved. Come home like you're already mine come back home like you're already in come back home and allow me to minister to you in such a way to where your heart becomes you know be, where the heart of flesh begins to beat and you pay more attention to that heart of flesh in you and as such you grow to love and honor and cherish God in the way when you first believe you just forgot your first love that's all you just forgot your first love and we all go through that. Can I share my story with y'all before I get out of here? You know, I was a minister, a pastor um, at, um, at a church here in my hometown. You know, I was a pastor for, for three years. And that church did me so dirty. That church did me dirty. I mean, they hurt my freaking feelings. They hurt my heart and they wounded my soul. You know, and that soul wound was difficult to deal with. And it took two years to deal with that. And, and, and once I left them, I thought I was good. I'm free. Hallelujah. But the longer I stayed um, in that space, the, the more anger in, in the more anger I harbored toward that church because of how they did me and my wife and how they did me and my wife and my kids. That thing hurt. And I was so hurt that I didn't realize I was taking my anger out on God. I didn't I didn't want to read the Bible no more. I didn't want to preach no more. I didn't want to talk about him no more. I just wanted to do my own thing. I just wanted to be my own person. I'm finally free of the church. I done fulfilled my grandfather's prophecy of me becoming a pastor. I did that. I'm done. I'm, it's over with. So I let so I let it all go. And I'm, I'm just doing my thing. Just doing me. Doing me. And as a result, you know, I strayed away from God too. But the whole time, God was like, you might have strayed away from me. But I ain't strayed away from you. I'm still here, and I'm going to let you go on this little prodigal son trip that you want to go on because I'm God and you got free will. I'm going to give you that free will. But guess what? As you're going about doing your thing, I'm going to make it such to where you are always going to have to step over the cross to do what you want to do. 
because you know the way. Because you know the way. And he was right. I stepped over the cross time and time again to go do what I wanted to do. To, 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 to be who I wanted to be and be around who I wanted to be around. And that whole time, God was still ministering to me. He's like, I haven't abandoned you. I haven't left you. I haven't gone anywhere. I'm, I'm still here. I'm still on the throne. You're still mine. I haven't let you go. You may have tried to let my hand go, but I ain't let your arm go. I'm st you're still a part of the kingdom. You're still a part. You still you received salvation, right? You repented and believed initially that you're still a part of the kingdom. I haven't forgotten about that. And so we went around that mountain for two years. Went around that mountain for two freaking years, and we finally landed to the point where it's like God, I I everywhere I am, there you are. I can't get away from you. I can't escape you. And I and I come before you, a broken person, asking you to fill me up. And Christ was like, bet, because ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened. God poured spirit in me. The spirit is already living in me, being replenished, being, re being refreshed. The living water that if we drink of, we never go on, we never um, thirst again. That living water, that, that living water has been there the whole time I started drinking again. You know, the, the, the bread of life that, um, the bread of life that if we eat, we never go hungry again. Been sitting there the whole time, started eating again. Just started refreshing myself with God, refreshing myself with righteousness, refreshing myself with peace. And the more that I turned back to the Savior, the more he was ready with an infinite supply. He's like, I got you, boo. I got you, homie. Let's go. Like you, you I, I've been here this whole time. I have never left you. I never forsook you. You might have forsaken me. And that's why I love the verse that says, while we were faithless, God is still faithful. Like, God doesn't count our faithlessness against us. He's like, I still got you. I'm here. I ain't going nowhere. You might have gone somewhere, but I ain't going nowhere. And as long as, as, long as I'm here, you have an endless supply of me. And you ain't got to work for it. You don't have to earn it. It is an endless stockpile that you can go to whenever you want it. Now, the path of sanctification does require work. But salvation produces sanctification, produces obedience. You don't have to obey to be saved. You are saved because of Christ and what he did on the cross. And so you revel in that. You thank God for that. Thank God he doesn't count my trespasses against me. Thank God he counts me as righteous. Thank God that I'm in the kingdom because now I can eat and I can drink freely. From the fountain that doesn't run dry and the endless supply of bread that he gives us, this bread of life. And so I'm saying all that to, to say to you again, Jedi Master. <laughs> Jedi Master. Um, that's not your name, it is, but it is certainly Jedi Marcus. Jedi Marcus. I say all that to say to you, God hadn't left you. God hadn't abandoned you. God is waiting on you. He's sitting on G, waiting on O. Open the book. Talk to him. Thank God you came on this live to have a conversation with us. To tell us, you know, that you felt that way. Because we are here standing in open arms and standing in agreement with you that God's got you. He hadn't left you. He's not forsaking you. You are still a part of the kingdom. If you are, if you are saved, if you believe in Christ... 
And I'm talking about you with your belief. You start believing in Christ when you were 15 years old. And now you're 38. Wandering from God. I'm saying the type of, uh, proverbially. You still saved. You might have wandered. Come home, prodigal son. Come home. God's waiting with open arms. Come home. The only person that's in your way is you. So come home. God hadn't abandoned you. God hadn't lost you. Come home, brother. Come home. You want to, man, come home. Just come on back to the Savior, bro. The peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart through Christ Jesus. Come home. God hadn't abandoned you. Come home. Welcome back. We've missed you. The saints of God, we've missed you. But we knew, you know, through the power of the Spirit, that you were going to come home. And so we're grateful today, man. I'm grateful today that you came on the live. I'm grateful that you shared your heart. And I'm grateful that we can welcome one of our brothers back to the fold, man. Welcome home. I'm so happy for you. And the saints of God, we all, we all stand in agreement with you. Come back home. Come back home. And, we're, and welcome back. We are so grateful that you are back home with us, man. We're so grateful. And we're asking and praying that God continue to minister to your heart, minister to your soul, that the comforter that he promised us by the Holy Spirit will remind you of the goodness of Jesus and all that he has done for you and give you the rest and the peace that you need. He says in Matthew chapter 11, Come all to me who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Lay down. Go to sleep. Take a rest. God has promised that to you. He promised that to you the day you got saved, and that is still available to you right now. So rest. It's okay. We make mistakes. We fall short. But you can come home. Listen, I want to thank y'all so, so much from the bottom of my heart for being on the show with me today. You've been watching the True Gospel Morning Show right here on TikTok Live with your boy Eddie D. I am so thankful for the 3,000 likes that we got today. I'm thankful for the gifts that were given today. Again, no dime goes to me. Every dime goes to the ministry for the upkeep of the websites and the podcasts that we put up. You can find a replay of this podcast um, on, tick, on, on, on Spotify. Um, we're working to get on Apple um, Podcasts and all the other podcasts that are out there. Um, but you can find us on Spotify, a replay of this in all our past episodes on Spotify. Um, and I'm just grateful and thankful for everyone who commented today. Grateful for every person who comes through these doors um, and asking and praying to God. Just continue to minister to us in a mighty and powerful way. Um, and continue to strengthen and encourage us as we continue to move forward in Him. Listen, guys, I thank y'all again so, so much for giving me this opportunity to be able to minister to you guys today. Um, come back tomorrow at 6 a.m. We'll be right here on TikTok Live. And as always, if you can't see the good, be the good. I love you guys. Peace out, homies. <laughs>